Hello and welcome to the Lost Yard Podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm here with Gar. That would be me. Welcome, friends. Welcome. How's it going? Today we are doing a genre specifique mm-hmm. one. We are doing goth music. We've been talking about it for a while. The fucking goths. Yeah. We're no uh, authority on goth music, although I'm a big fan. Do you think there's actually a... Th- an, here's my question. Do you think there's a genre that's actually goth? Or do you think there's other genres that just kind of um, have a feeling? Because I don't think there's an actual goth genre. I'd honestly put it closest to Dead Can Dance. Stuff that sounds like it's church music, but mm. it's also a bit rock and a bit like... I won't say contemporary, but something that... <sighs> quite dark, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think it's an actual... No, not really. There's loads of genres. There's yeah. dark wave. Yeah. Fucking... But I don't, I don't think... post Like, listening to this, we obviously picked... There's a couple in there that are obvious. And there's a couple that aren't so obvious. And then you've got... Like... There's a bunch. Yeah, we didn't want to go too obvious. No. But then again, we have to put a few classics in. Yeah, you have well. to. We, we have to set the scene to a degree. But it's most certainly stuff that we left out of this that will be considered just pure goth music. Well, like, I figured I out where the term came from. Really? In terms where? of music. Yeah, where did it come from? It was Martin Hanna, who's the producer from Joy Division, said, Joy Division is sound very gothic. Mm. So I think that's the start of it, possibly. Now, Joy Division are not as gothy as gothy no. went. Because yeah. I'm thinking cathedrally organs choirs and just general dark yeah, darkness that, yeah but I think that's like that whole kind of church feel like you're saying I, I don't even think that's goth like um, I, like it's it's gothic but I don't think it's fucking goth like I, what I'm trying to explain here is that I think it's it's most certainly a subculture but I don't think it's a style of music I, oh it's, yeah it is it's, I yeah. think there's bands that are just uh Appropriated by that subculture, it's a it's a hugely signified by its look. Yes, as well. more than its music. Like when you yeah, when, yeah. when you look through here, like there's bands here on this list <clears throat> that have almost nothing to do with actual goth. There is. There's ones that actually say we are not goth. Yeah, one hundred percent. Say like, we are not. Yeah, like original ones are like this is bullshit. I don't want it. Yeah, and there's like we'll get through them all anyway. I should probably start. Yeah. Go on. I'll do my fourth one. So I pick Killing Joke. This must be the 17th time Killing Joke. Uh, 18th. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we have to do it because because they, they hit so many points themselves and they have so many different kind of high points and low points in their career that they have specific albums that, that tend to touch more upon... Uh, Gots do love Killing Joke. Punks love Killing Joke. Yeah, they're, they're universally... People like industrial love Killing Joke. Exactly. So I picked them... Um, the album Brighter Than A Thousand Suns. I love this album. Yeah. This and the, the, the second self-titled album, I think, are my favourites. And I picked the song Goodbye To The Village. Um, it is quite gutty for It, them, it is mad gutty. Well, because it's so seeped in reverb and it's the, it's about the right pace for people to just kind of shuffle around and throw their shoulders. Yeah. You know, staring at the fucking ceiling or whatever. His voice sounds smoother than usual yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, what I found out about this, this, this is their sixth studio album and it was actually recorded in Hansa. That year. Hansa. <laughs> It, yes. I make that joke a lot. <laughs> that year. Yeah. Um, this was recorded in 1986, but, or sorry, it came out in 1986, but it was recorded at Hansa Studios in Berlin that we talked about in the Haunted Songs. So oh, this is right. recorded in that Haunted recording studio, which makes absolute sense. You know, the they, songs they do, on this, they are a fan of it. They are. Uh, the songs on this album are pretty long, so the original version of it that came out, the original LP, the vinyl, only had eight songs. Four songs per side. That was it. Yeah. And it was a couple of years later that they brought out the, uh, the CD version and the cassette versions. Um, that had the full, uh, full, I think it was like 12, 13, 14, I can't remember. Not enough to make it a double EP, but... Not, yeah. No, but or a double, double album. Exactly. Um, I, uh, 
I think they were going through this weird kind of transition period in that they were getting kind of popular, but they wanted it. They didn't want to be popular. So, yeah, like when they released Love Like Blood, it was huge. But yeah. then they were like, the record label was like, oh, do another one of them. And they were yeah. actively tried to not. Yeah. Well, there was a, that's one of the big things about this album, about Brighter Than A Thousand Suns. So um, the original version that goes out, if you can find a copy of the original LP with eight songs on it and you listen, it sounds very, 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 very different from what version of this album we're used to listen to. Yeah. Um, so the guy they brought in, they brought, they brought in this guy, um, Julian Mendelssohn, the record label. We're like, listen, you have to get in here and mix these. Because they had heard the original mixes and they weren't happy at all. They were like, this is odd. This is mad grim. We're not into it. Really? So they brought in this Julian Mendelssohn going. And Julian Mendelssohn was famous for doing mixes for Elton John, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, the Pet Shop Boys. He was very shiny and bright. Yeah. He was making pop songs. So, well, it, like, the original producer probably heard it and went, surely you want this music grim as folk because it already has that. we yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, but uh, it is good to, to get someone, like there's a few examples in this where they hired a producer that absolutely was nothing to do with God yeah. and you get that perfect balance of pop and gothic rock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they hated it. Yeah. So Killing Joke hated these new mixes that Julian Mendelssohn done. He, they fucking hated them. But they could do nothing about it. Yeah. But in 2008, they, they uh, commissioned a re-release of the album and it was going to have all the all the songs on it. Uh, the song I picked, Goodbye to the Village, it's my favourite song on that album and that is not one of the songs that was included in the original right. release. Um, it's on the kind of extended version. Um, so in 2008... A sleeper hit. Exactly. Well, not a hit, but... <laughs> in 2008, they got the original guy who mixed them to pull out and his original sh- mixes. They shot them. No, no. <laughs> the, the actual studio guy in Hansa. The ones they oh, liked. Right, right, they got right. him back in. They're like, right, we're going to you know, remix, remaster this. Can you get the original tapes out with your original mixes? Oh, I'm just going to give them a little bit of a spit and polish job. So what you're hearing now on this playlist is the way they wanted these songs yeah. to sound. And they're so fucking good. Like it's not again, they're not a traditional goth band, but they definitely have a massive crossover into that yeah. world, you know. Like that song, there's so much going on. That weird dark synth that kind of sits in the background, mm. like just lights it up. And I don't think that was as prominent on the uh, the record label's mix of that song. I think it was a little bit more poppy. Yeah, I, I have heard that original original released mix before, and I remember thinking it doesn't sound particularly good. This is is ten times better than the one that originally came out. Thankfully, if you go and buy this LP now, you'll get this one. The one that sounds good. Um, but yeah, that's Goodbye to the Village by Killer Joke. It's it's kind of long and drab. It never really picks up. Like, it certainly has has tendrils in that world. Tendrils? Yeah. Tentacles. But, exactly. Tentacles. Tentaculars. Coming into the letterbox. Tick, exactly. Tickling things it shouldn't. Tickling little mouse buttons. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's uh, Killing Joke. I don't want to, again, we've said a thousand times we could do entire podcasts on Killing Joke. I mean, we will when we run out of ideas. For, for more Killing Joke <laughs> yeah. playlists that but stick them in, yeah. For now, uh, we'll leave it at that. Who's your next one? My one, first one is uh, Sisters of Mercy, Has Dominion, Mother Russia. Has like, it's very obvious choice. It is nowhere near my favourite Sisters of Mercy song, but it is a phenomenal song. It's the production on it is amazing. Yeah. And when you hear it, I love hearing it when I'm not in a particularly even rockish club. Sometimes yeah. you'll hear it. Like one time I honestly think one time I heard it in Eddie Rockets. Oh yeah. I honestly either. did think. And the odd time in like, I don't know, a bar that you wouldn't really expect it maybe. Um, you just get that, oh, it, it is. It is. It's very good. It's perfect. I love it. Now, 
Sisters of Mercy were never supposed to be a goth band, according to Andrew Eldridge, who's yeah. the singer um, and sort of, well, maybe not original songwriter for a whole lot of it, but <coughs> initially he's a, he seems a bit of a tricky character, this fella. He's a bit odd, isn't he? Yeah, he just seems to be moaning in every interview. Not that kind of cool, like... Stand, Is he the only original guy left? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah this, yeah. this, like, he's, it's, but judging by, the, they've only three studio albums. Yeah. Because they had a fight with Warner where they didn't, uh, Release album for twenty something years, yeah, and, and they still was, haven't. It's a couple of EPs. It was Reptile House. EP well, there was three well. EPs before the first. So the three EPs are uh, Alice Reptile House mm. and Body and Soul. Yeah, Reptile House is real good. Yeah, look, the, the EPs are great. They yeah. are that kind of rock sound where yeah. it just sounds like they were more moody rock music yeah. than actual goth. But yeah. it clearly, it clearly fits into the. Yeah, but it, by the time Floodland was out, I think they they'd made their bed and they were willing to sleep in it. Yeah, well, like know? it's crazy because Floodland is, is a completely different. It's, it was again it was only him on his own going out again after yeah. the first album so the first album is well the, the start of it was like they formed in Leeds and stuff like that yeah. in, in, in 80 and uh, it was just him Andrew Elgin and Gary Marks making music on their own mm. uh, playing the, all the instruments and singing a couple of songs each themselves then they got Dr. Avalanche the famous boss yeah. DR55 drum machine which mm. I actually have a little I have a VST, a virtual instrument of a home, I try play around with it every now and then. It's just a whack load of reverb on yeah. the. Just get that sound. Off you go. It's absolutely brilliant. Make um, got go button. Yeah. They added Craig Adams on bass and Ben Gunn on guitar. That's when they released the three EPs mm. uh, in the 80s. Um, ben Gunn left and was replaced with Wayne Hussey. He was from Dead or Alive. Right. Now, I know what other band he's in. We know we'll get to that in a minute. Mm. Um, and he had loads of, because working with Dead or Alive, he had loads of. Uh, sort of knowledge about how studio and stuff works so mm. he was kind of bringing them into the next century <laughs> mm. so Warner did sign them for First Last and Always I think that's when they I think I'm pretty sure that's when they signed that's our first album and it's great mm. absolutely great album because it has songwriting from Hussey and the rest of the lads as yeah. well it wasn't just in fact I'm not even sure Andrew Willis wrote a lot of music on that if any of the music on that mm. he probably did but listen you can tell it's the, it's the that Wayne Hussey sound it was, I don't know if there's much 12 string on that because that was his thing it was no there is he's that 12 string that, 12, yeah. That, yeah you can hear it on the, that the mission That's just, he's, he's in exactly, the mission yeah. we'll get to that later though. Um, after that album Hussey and uh, what's the other fellow's name Adam's left they went and created the sisterhood mm. so apparently this guy is tough to work with Andrew Elders, just I met one of the guys from Sisters of Mercy about four years ago and we, we, we got called saying one of the guys from Sisters uh, is going to be interviewed. We're looking for a place to interview him. Um, is it okay if we use your place to host it? Yeah. So we said, yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking, I fucking love Sisters of Mercy. Yeah. I'd be mad into this. Now, I didn't know who we were getting. So I had fingers crossed for Eldridge. Fingers crossed I was going to get fucking someone. Who walked into the door with, honest to God, lad, this like 20-year-old young fella. Yeah, I know, you know what you're talking about. Now, it seemed all right at the time, but once they start doing the interview... I kind of backed out because he, he no, he's the one that's sent out to do all them as well. Yeah, and even when the, the, like the very rare occasion you'll see a Sister Mercy interview from around the time, Eldridge is sitting there with his sunglasses on. Yeah, and it's probably Ben Christo who was doing all the talking. Young lad, yeah, black hair, good looking fellow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great guitarist. Well. That's the lad. But yeah, yeah. Um, he's the touring guy because yeah. they haven't written a song. Well, they have written maybe two songs or three songs that we know of that they've played live over the last. 20 years like yeah. he refused to point you I think he just doesn't even like his own fans probably they were like oh released there's a couple of songs that people know now to sing that are not released they just yeah. know them from YouTube or whatever yeah, like that yeah, yeah, which yeah. is kind of cool in a way but it's also like I'd hate to not be releasing music yeah 
Especially for that period of time. Because I went to see them live with the young lads. Yeah. And I didn't like it at all. Mm. The smoke machine covered the whole stage. I heard that, yeah. Uh, they hadn't got really much keyboards on tracks. No Patricia singing any yeah. of the Floodland stuff. Yeah. It was it Patricia singing it. It's hard to know what Patricia did really anymore in the band. I know, <laughs> like she was hurt. We'll get into that. We'll get into this. We'll, we'll talk about Floodlands now because they went on. I don't want to get too much into the sisterhood story. But they, Hussey and Adams left to form the sisterhood, which they admitted was a bad name to call it because it's too close. It's too close, and they did it out a little bit. Of course, stuff like that. But that happens again later with a different band. Um, Floodlands comes out. Floodland gets Jim Steinman to produce it and co-write the album. Jim Steinman is Meatloaf, Bonnie Tyler, <laughs> fucking boys on. Yeah, yeah. And he's brilliant. Yeah. He's just a great producer. So get that's what we were talking talk about earlier, getting that kind of pop sound yeah. with a thing. And the production on Floodlands is fucking so yeah, good, man. It really it is. is. If you like that kind of thing, like it's totally different from First, Last and Always, which is that really gritty, like guitars not mixed as well as they could yeah. be, but that's the sound that they got. The tin shed. Yeah, kind of exactly. Effect, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very good for early post-punk. Yeah. Uh, got, got kind of rock that was, well, it wasn't really there at the time, but that's what we, that's what we call it now. Um, so the girl Patricia that everyone knows as if you think about Sister Mercy you think about him and her mm. as as the image of it you know what I mean most people will especially people that only like got into a true Floodlands I always like I'm wearing a t-shirt wearing a Sister Mercy t-shirt now with the two of them on a Floodlands because yeah. she's in the front of Floodlands Floodlands is my first yeah. introduction as yeah. well yeah same as me to be honest with you um, he's kind of a bit of a dig there's a little kind of weird quote about when she was let go from the band he, she was hired the same day as they left okay so he's obviously just like he, things are done out of like rashness mm. with with this with this guy. You, know you I mean? fuck off, you come here. Yeah. But when she was let go, people were asking like, "What did she like uh, contribute to the band?" He's like, "Nothing musically." Mm. Just, he said uh, she never wrote anything or played anything on the record while she was in the band, and she never picked up her guitar unless it was time to make a video. No wonder she was unable to play it properly when called upon. Jesus, you're a bit of a dick, dirty. You asked her to be in the band, me. Yeah, and everyone loves her. So and she seems way sounder than you. In interviews, she was obviously the one with a little bit more like. It always reminds me of Dead Can Dance's interviews, actually, where Lisa Gerard would be a little bit more kind of softer spoken and, yeah. and kind of give the answers that maybe fans and or the interviewer wants to hear. Yeah. Where the other guy will sit there kind of going grumbling or whatever like that. The big songs, obviously, that are that Jim Steinman, I think he wrote, co-wrote Disc Corrosion, Dominion, and Lucretia My Reflection. Disc Corrosion um, is outrageous. Oh, it's brilliant. Outrageous. It's just fucking deadly. There's not much point in going too much into vision thing, which where he starts all over again. Do you know yeah. what I mean? This lad can't really work that well. Although I think Steinman was, he was he, Steinman was brought on again. It's mad to think that like Eldritch was like listening to Meatloaf going, yeah, I want that sound. Yeah. For uh, like, no, no. To be fair, listen to Bow oh, in Hell and tell no, me. like that's what I'm saying. Like it's brilliant. It's but it's perfect. just it's just an unusual route to go yeah. that you wouldn't be expecting. Yeah. I, mean, I suppose I, I always thought thought about stuff like that. I mean. It's like when people talk about trying to separate the uh, the music from the musician or the art from the artist. Like, if you're in a band and you hear, like, let's say you are in Sisters of Mercy and someone plays this Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell album. Yeah. You listen to it and you go, like, like whatever, musically, it's it's not for me. It doesn't really No, but it could goes. be so, something as simple as, that's who I want my drums to exactly. sound with the bass. For, for me, that's exactly. always that's, the thing. That's so. Like, there's a particular... Uh, Producers get famous for a particular type of drum sound or something, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, once they kind of lock into that, they, they're able to hear that drum sound in their head for their next album. So yeah. let's chase him down and let's see what he's able to do. So after after the Sisterhood debacle, there's a little kind of fun story with that, but it'll, it'll take too long. Uh, Hussey and Adams formed the mission, and I love the mission. I think they're brilliant. Yeah. Then 
their output is far more quantity over quality if you yeah. compare it to Sisters of Mercy but at least they're still like they, a few years ago they were still releasing pretty good mm. the last album they released was good there's a couple of good songs on it as well Comfort of Life me remember remember the cover distinctively but at least he's still putting out stuff you got lots to be said for putting out stuff you'll yeah. eventually get like a, a couple of albums good word of stuff yeah. whereas it's not put out and just because you had a fight with Warner or whatever like that Warner seemed like a bag of bastards uh, yeah, lovely, lovely now probably maybe. But then all I ever hear is stories about Time Warner, um, doing people, doing people, and I wouldn't mind. But they were released in '97 from the contract, and he still to this day hasn't. I don't think really put out anything. Really, um, a funny story about the guy you were just talking about. I think it's probably Ben Christo and Chris Catalyst play with them now, and they were also in Ghost. Really, yeah, they played in Ghost. They were Ghost Ghost guitarists for a mm. while. I don't know. If, I don't think they still are. Maybe Chris is. No, but uh, that's a kind of brief little history of System Mercy. I do like System Mercy a lot. The reason I picked, like I said, that is that's the one song that that's our universal song. I think I would have heard in the nineties and just yeah. went, "Fuck what me!" What is that? Yeah, it's brilliant, mm. and it's just so long. And it comes like the second part of it is just a nice rolling sort of yeah. long outro. Yeah, it's that's... that intro for me. That <sighs> intro does it. It's just the sound of it. Yeah, the sound of it. When you hear it, it gives me, gives me chills. It's yeah. still, I'll never get bored of that song. I know it's yeah. very obvious if you're. And that actual drum it. sound we're talking about is just. That's what I. That's that's my biggest influence on drum sound. That's yeah. whenever I'm writing stuff, people, people are like, not put live drums on that. I'm like, no. Mm-mm. That's the sound they want. That. Barely, no, no cymbals, just. Yeah. Uh, Mad punch. Kick snare, yeah. gated, and reverb. Yeah. Just, yeah. just that sound is. That, that's Into the, your brain. And that is an absolute sound of pretty much nearly all the bands that we've picked yeah. now. Uh, so here's your next one. My next one is Bauhaus. Another, oh, yeah. you got to put them in. Another obvious one. Yeah, but you got to. You got yeah, to. We have to set. We have to set the stage. Set the stage. Yeah, they're um, hugely important. The, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Bauhaus. I don't know. As what? As how you feel about them? Uh, yeah, it's kind how of. I feel about them. Isn't that grand? Yeah, but it's more one of those. They're like. If you had to say, they were like the Sex Pistols of it. Yeah, but obviously way better. But what I'm saying is like. I do like Bauhaus, but I definitely don't go mad listen to f- no. full albums. And I, I, when I do, I'm like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, now, I, like I picked, um, I picked the song "In the Night" from uh, the 1982 album. The sky has gone out. Now, this would be considered probably the most experimental Bauhaus album, and there's an awful lot going on. Um, in that's, this album, that's there's, what I did like about them. Yeah, they, they were absolutely willing to bring new stuff in. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can admit if it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they were originally named Bauhaus 1919 in reference to the opening year of the German art school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously who they're named after, is the Bauhaus School of Art. Uh, they broke up in 1983, and members went on to form uh, Tones on Tail and, yeah. and Love and Rockets. Love and Rockets. I do like Love and Rockets. Popular stuff. But yeah. So they got back together again. Also, in, y- yes. Yeah, in well, 1998, they got back together again. And then they knocked on the head. They got back together again in 2005. And then this year, 2019, yeah. they had another crack at that and there was murder. <laughs> Literal murder. Literal murder. Yeah. Um, yeah and one of the gigs did, yeah. Yeah, he got pulled out, didn't he? Got pulled out by the promoters and the security guards. For yeah, what was that? Someone threw something at him and he hit them with a brick or something. Something fucking... I can't remember. I don't think that's fair. Mm. <laughs> I might be with him on it. I'm not entirely sure. He also got really sick. He didn't have a banger, did he? Hit something. I don't know. I don't know. He's fucking old enough, like, yeah, to yeah, be fair. Peter Murphy was sick a while ago. Yeah. Quite sick. And uh, no, it wasn't cancer, was it? No, didn't take to the Robocop, Robocop suit. I think he had something, something bad on him, but he, he's recovered now anyway. And the videos look great, man. Yeah, 
of the new like the, not the new stuff, but they're obviously the first one that goes up is Bella goes. He's had the video, but like yeah, he still man, he still looks great. They look yeah. great. They look- he's wearing loads of he, he's wearing a lot of prosthetics and stuff like like that now to look like uh, Nosferatu, an awful lot. Um, but they're famous for the Bowie cover Ziggy Stardust. He's, and you can tell from early on he's a massive Bowie yeah, fan. Yeah, and obviously yeah. Bella Lugosi's dead. Bella Lugosi's yeah. dead is off the first album. Um, so one of the that's guys... Con- that's probably considered like... That's the their, first their song. song. Yeah, that's yeah, their song. You know? yeah. um, one of the guys uh, from Bauhaus, uh, David J, he started a band with the comic book writer Alan Moore. Really? Yeah. I didn't even not know Alan Moore was in a comic book. A comic book? A wow. Comic book, yeah. A uh, band. Uh, Alan, Moore's, <laughs> Alan Moore has, has given loads of... Uh, he's been involved with loads of bands. Um, he, he's often done like spoken word stuff. I think he might That's play true, a couple yeah. of instruments. Um, but they started a band called the Sinister Ducks. Um, I, <laughs> I, 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 assume, I assume it's shite. I just, I'm not even going looking for it. I'm fucking out. Uh, Alan Moore can just stay writing comics. Although he's retired now. Um, he doesn't like the new Watchmen. He doesn't series. like anything. I like the um, new Watchmen series. I, I do not. I really did. I've only watched two, and I thought yeah, that's it was. All, yeah, that's all I've seen. It was good. I'm, I'm waiting. Something better happen soon. That's all I'll say. I think it's setting itself up very nicely. For what? I don't know. Nothing. Anyway, more nothing. That's enough, Alan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, this song is mad weird. This song, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. This is a psychobilly song. This sounds like the meat yours. This is fucking 1982, <laughs> and this sounds like to meet yours. The timing's roughly, roughly kind of right, but holy shit, like, it's got that kind of country and western rockabilly intro. It has this weird kind of walk and bass line that's very, very rockabilly. I love their bass lines. Yeah. I mean, like, Kicking the Eye bass line. Kicking the Eye is like a David Bowie disco song, and that's why I'm absolutely mad about it. Like if you, if you can make dark disco music, exactly. That's yeah. Like this, this to me is this weird combination of like psychobilly and like proto indie music almost. Yeah. They, like, he, it sounds like suede, right? Oh, to suede me, would have definitely been influenced. Yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a mad suede feel to the, the kind of the swing of the song, but then it just goes back into this fucking meteors. Like this early, early psychobilly. It would have been like really popular yeah. in the kind of British music scene back then as well. His like, solo stuff was very popular as well. Cuts yeah. you up and, and strange kind of love now. But they're great songs. So, so fucking weird listening to this song. Because I was going through that album. Because I like the album a lot. I was going through and I was trying to pick something that wasn't like super obviously fucking goth. I mean, it's definitely a goth song. You know, it, it appeals to that. Yeah. Um, it's on the fucking... I can imagine if, if somehow... Half of these people were listening to this podcast because oh, I shouldn't have been in that list. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because like you said, it's not really a music not style. Not really. Not it's really. not a music no. style, really. Absolutely. Like that, and the cover of uh, it's this a guy gi- has gone it's out. It's a ginormous umbrella term. <coughs> That's all it for is. So many yeah. rock music. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, like, the, but the, the cover to this album has to be one of the most famous kind of gothic album covers of all time. This guy's gone out. It's just that big ring. I was looking at. When you put up that picture of the album covers, I realised how many of the album covers are black and white. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it looks like just somebody aesthetic. made it. It's, just, it's, it's yeah. photocopied. Exactly. Yeah, a few times. Yeah, yeah. stupid crappy zine <laughs> from the 80s photocopied yeah. a thousand times. Yeah. It wore, it's just, it's, it's classic. Yeah, I, I just... punk 80s guys. Exactly. I had to throw that, that Bauhaus in there. I, I think that there's... In that song, there's much less uh, punk than there will be in a couple of the other bands. Um, I think this one is most definitely... Uh, psychobilly or kind of neo rockabilly influenced, and those those genres would have been in their kind of birth around that time yeah. as well. Like most certainly, there would have been bands making waves in that scene. Yeah. And that scene would have been so fucking small that I, I'm sure plenty of people in bands 
thought that they could have just lifted or cloned it to a degree without ever being spotted. You yeah. know, most certainly. Like it's a, it's only years later that most of those kind of early psychobilly bands actually became popular. Um, it's a mad link with the, you do see some psychobilly bands and rockabilly having got aesthetics yeah. and music yeah. and it does work yeah. and it's probably the only way you'll ever get me to listen to those yeah yeah <laughs> believe it or not it tends to be more of the uh more the american psychobilly stuff and, the later. and it's hard to know because they're touching on horror stuff yeah. which just looks like exactly yeah, yeah. So. They, they they brought a lot more that kind of got aesthetic in mm. like the early psychobilly stuff was all colors mm. like green hair yellow t-shirts pink and then, trousers and then you have to talk about the cramps being yeah a bridge between that yeah. as well yeah 100 uh, anyway here's your next one my next one is She Passed Away. The mm. song is Kazleti Kutlama from 2010. These are a kind of new kids on the block. Mm. Got music. Um, they are a Turkish band. Really? Yeah. Formed in 2006. Um, the labels that you attach to them be like post-punk, dark yeah. wave. Um, the strange thing about them is they sing in Turkish. Um, mm. Even though both of them have been in bands yeah. uh, that sang in English. They said that when they came to do this, they wanted to have this. So it's, this, the music is kind of minimalist mm. poems, they call it. Minimalist poetry. So it's just very kind of, yeah. A lot of stuff is repeated over and yeah, over again. Yeah. So it has that. And um, the thing I love about them is just the style of music. It's kind of like throbbing bass with uh, the synth lines are, are fantastic. Mm. Um, the two guys that started were Volkan Kaner and Idris Akbulut. Mm. Now, the funny thing about that is he he left in 2005 and I couldn't... There's so little on, there's still little on new bands, really, mm. apart from the audience. So I find reading a lot of their interviews is only a real way to get more information about how they see their music mm. or how they talk about it. Because I don't really want to look at the labels that, like, Wiki or just fucking even Spotify would give yeah. these bands. But um, one of them, the, the new guy that joined... Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce that name. Doruk Ozakutakan. Right. He uh, he was their producer. Yeah. And he joined them. And he um, I think someone someone in the interview said uh he's kinda of sound a bit like Sister Mercy with Yeah, we sound like Sister Mercy if the only goth band you know is Sister Mercy. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. But then I read up that they had had initially name checked Sister Mercy in their bio before uh, he joined. So yeah. it's probably coming back to um the bands that definitely influenced them were a Swiss band called Grauzone. So if you're a fan of She Passed Away and and uh, the German band DAF as well, that's where you can tell they really got their sound. But of course, Sister Mercy are a massive influence on them. Yeah. You can tell it just by the deepness of his voice. Yeah. Um, they have three albums. I'm going to try and attempt all three of them. <laughs> Bel Erdi Geech Gek. Excuse me, I could be getting that all wrong. Mm. Um, Narin Yal Yislik, 2005. And their latest album is what we were just talking about earlier, a little bit darker kind of disco. It's called Disco Anchisette. And um, you know what? I'm definitely not getting them right. They are a relentless touring band. They're one of those bands that just want it now. Oh, they're going to just go, yeah. And they're pulling in in crowds. Mm. They absolutely will. They did a a gig with Drab Majesty. I think I mentioned that before. Yeah. Ill-fated for me because I couldn't go to it after buying tickets to it. But um, I really, really like this band. It's just so strange. A lot of their lyrics are... Well, because they're in Turkish, so I had to kind of read up about what are they talking about. A lot of people were like, that's a very political place. Is your lyrics uh, political? And they went, not really. It's more just how we feel mm. living in Turkey and the scene over there is yeah. in guts. There's not. Really. Of course there's not. They even said, they said the closest they would really get it when they moved to Istanbul. They had to move there because there was nothing in Bursa, where they're from. Yeah. 
they were saying that the closest they can get is when an indie band would try something weird. Really? And they go, oh, that's a kind of weirdish indie band in Turkey mm. like that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know of any other Turkish. I don't think I know any Turkish fans in general. In general, yeah. So I guess they won't be uh, they won't be touring with System of Down anyway. Mm. I'll tell you that. The Armenian. <laughs> it, will, it will not be happening. No. So yeah, man, I like, I like She Passed Away a lot. The new album is, it is good, yeah. It's, it's more stylish. You can tell a bit of production. They rub some money on it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit dancier. They are making music t- that you can have a little bop to. Of course. Have a little gotty bop. A little gop bop. Who was your next one? A uh, little gop bop. Gop bop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> little gop boppy. Uh, who do I pick? Uh, Skinny Puppy. Oh, yeah. So Skinny Puppy are most certainly not an actual goth band. No, that's just the bird of industrial. Really. Yeah. So... But the, but the, it's definitely gothic. You know what I mean? Like it's it's on the it's in the, this this big lace umbrella that we're talking yeah, about. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they skinny puppy would have been like the biggest influence on Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson later on, yeah. and like anybody who was kind of messing around with drum machines, synthesizers, yeah. and and basically the and basically the, the the most kind of popular goth music now would be like. Yeah, EPM and stuff like yeah, exactly. Like, this is definitely the be- the beginning of that. So they formed in 1982 in Vancouver in Canada. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that's Canadian. Mm. Yeah, got to, got to know everything about that. So they, they they were they started off as a side project of another band called Images in Vogue. Now we don't know anything about Images in Vogue. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, um, but they're known for like all their stage shows. They have these big, mad, elaborate stage shows. That's one of the things they're famous for. Um, like they t- completely commandeer the stage and fill it up with fucking bullshit. <laughs> um, uh, the one of the big things that they do is they try to make make all their music bring attention to uh, like animal testing. And, oh yeah, yeah, and uh, chemical warfare, which is mad weird. I, like I, I don't understand how you connect the two of them. That just I don't one of them understand. sounds like it's more important to do with. Yeah, can't mm. can't can't tell which though. <laughs> yeah, like pick one and go with it. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, I know, I get it though. I get it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it seems to be like electronic music meets industrial, but like it's much darker in tone. Like whichever way they, they when you listen to this song, this I picked the song "Assimilate." It's it's the opening track on on the first album, and uh, it's it's so fucking weird. It's it's definitely like they just set the drum machine off, like boom, bam, boom, boom, boom yeah. go. go. And just never come back to it again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, 100%. And, like, the synth, the actual kind of synth riff itself doesn't really change either. I think it just jumps in key. Um, Some of skinny, skinny Puppies music is definitely made to hurt. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It's 100% there to test you. feel a little bit nauseous the other yeah. time. Not this one. I don't, I don't think I assimilate is probably This one is definitely one of the most, one of most accessible yeah, songs. Is, yeah. 100%. Um, what I found out as well is that they, uh, their music is used to torture inmates in Guantanamo Bay. No way. They found out about this via somebody who was working in Guantanamo Bay. So they went and they got all the details as to uh, you know how long have they been doing it, many times a day as they played, all this type of show, and they sent an invoice to the US government. Deadly. For the an inro job. Yeah. Like for the usage of their music. Amazing. Yeah, so they sent it off. <laughs> um, the way I look at this, this is kind of real weird. I find it hard to separate early industrial and got. You know what I mean? Like they, they just link together. Like again, because it's not really a genre. Like, and a lot of times, the same like a gothic rock band and yeah. an industrial band, neither are you most of the time using. They're both using drum machines. Yeah, and since 
and minor keys. <laughs> so it's gonna you're gonna get fans bleeding into. It's really fans crossing over rather than music. So yeah, like the, the, the way this song works is just this kind of weird repetitive beat, and the kind of tempo of it leans more into what became traditional goth. If this is 1982, you know, mm. um, what was to become kind of the traditional goth kind of feel. And the general theme of alienation and being separate is there as well within Skinny Puppy's music. So again, uh, lyrically and thematically, it fits into that goth subsect. But like when I listen to this album, this sounds like it sounds like somebody from like 2040 went back in time to the early 80s yeah. and tried to make futuristic mu- music on shitty fucking instruments. You know, the best, like, what can a hundred quid get me in this shop? That, so yeah, exactly, That's the yeah. way it sounds to me. It's like future music. The amount of got famous <laughs> got recordings that are definitely not done in any studio of now. Absolutely Bedroom not. jobs. Well, maybe percent. not better sheds. But well, if you're dealing <laughs> with instruments that just put out low level and can't be interfered with, yeah. then whatever, you know, the keyboards and drum machines, stick a microphone in the wardrobe and roll definitely into it. no money being put into tuners either, no. which works well <laughs> yeah, at it, times. Yeah, it, it can add to it. But yeah, that's Skinny Puppy. Again, it's they're, they're most certainly like a proto-industrial band. They were a side project that just kind of became popular yeah. almost by accident. But they were so influential upon the wider world. That I, I don't know whether, I don't know whether like the, the gut music that we are hearing today, like the electronic end of things and even like that 90s uh Stuff like Nine Inch Nails that most certainly you could play at a got night in a club. Like none of that would really exist properly if it wasn't for Skinny Puppy. Yeah. And it's also a cool name for a fucking band. It's great. It's skin- like yeah, like it Skinny Puppy Throbbing Gristle was the start of that harsh yeah. industrially sound, I think. I think so as well. I think so. so. Right, here's your next one. My next one is Switchblade Symphony. Mm. The song is Bad Trash from nineteen ninety five. I only really like their first album, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. They're formed in 1989. They'd be considered a dark wave band. Yeah. But um, they have these... Uh, it's kind of... You can tell that the the, girl, the singer is um, Tina Root. You can yeah. tell that she's classically trained because she can just hit these absurd notes while she's singing. And it almost borders on, like, slightly annoying sometimes. But mm. I find that's my favourite type of singer. Someone that can just about get annoying... But then not pull back. Pro- but just pull back. That gives this kind of real. I just love that. Yeah. Same with Kate Bush. A lot of people cannot oh, right. stand Kate Bush. There's a lot going on. But there. I love that. Just going up to that level of just and Bjork as well mm. of that level where you think if that was out of case a little bit or yeah. it started great on me. But um, so this is just it's just two girls in the band, mm. uh, Susan Wallace on keyboards, and uh, they have a, like a kind of orchestral side. Like their stuff is very like the strings. There's no holding back on the strings there, and that's what I like about them a lot. I find when I'm writing music with other people, they're like, pal, will you go easy on them strings? There's just, you're just making this some sort of fucking classical. Step back, step yeah. away from the but strings. But I just love yeah. that synth with like mad strings going. Yeah. Even if they're harsh, synthy, yeah. shitty 80 strings, yeah. more the better. I'm a sap for it. Yeah, it? absolutely love it. So the big album that is the Serpentine Gallery, I really like that. The lyrics of this band can be very silly. Yeah. Just very silly. But, um, and it's, realistically, it's music for like people in corporate velvet dresses and ducks yeah I love them though I really do like that that really like that album I was because there's so little information really on Switchblade Symphony because they were broke up in 99 that's not to having their first big hit in 95 to breaking up in 99 that's not a band with a lot of information and I was going to swap them out for someone else until I went what is your woman uh, Tina Root doing I couldn't really find much on Susan Wallace I think she became a producer Um. So we went into Spotify, and the only album by Tina Root there is under a name called Trey Lux. Mm. 
and it's a covers album weird of stuff like the show four by Duran Duran which Again. every goth band has to cover it's almost by like yeah. by the law you're yeah. going to have to cover that and um, they do an acoustic version of the, tr- of the song Bad Trash and they also do Numb by U2 and I was like mad I do like that Numb U2 song but the artwork was different on that one and I realised it was from a gothic tribute to U2 mad and I was like I have to see who else yeah. is on this I'm going digging The Mission Dead or Alive Heaven 17 Raised in Black are all doing songs on it all doing U2 songs yeah it's mad it's absolutely mad I just the, the Mission the Mission do uh, I think the Mission do All I Want Is You or All I Need Is You that U2 song and it's brilliant it's really really good I, you know, I have an absolute soft, soft spot in my fucking heart I was going to say in my hole <laughs> Um, for those kind of garbagey tribute albums absolutely love them yeah, I love them I just can't get enough there's only ever really two good songs on them yeah, at ever. best and the rest are like you can tell the end of this album I think there's about honestly about 13, 14 songs on it mm. and by the end you can tell they put the shocking ones down the end of course, like the them. badly because th- these albums are tough because they're all been produced in di- one song in different and places same thing, yeah, and yeah. some guy mastering it has yeah. to pull that together yeah. and it's a tribute album it's not going to make it's not going to make a tenner. So no. they send it to and the worst And you two would guy. be... I'd slagged off in the gospel <laughs> most of the time. Oh, yeah. Like, it's unfortunate that Hold Me, Kill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me has done badly on this album. Yeah. The only reason I can Who does it? Oh, fuck, I can't remember. It's not... I'm going to find that. I'm going to find that this week. I want Check to the that. album. Do you know what, man? It's not Send bad. me the link to it. The Heaven 17... Do you know what they do? Put the link up on the Facebook I'll put the page. Link, yeah. Just I just found out I was about to I was about to you know sometimes we we swap people out because we can't get enough meat yeah, in the story. Or meat. Like my next we, one. Even though this is really what I wanted to do because uh we got that in there early so people know. What I wanted to do with this one was make it more about the playlist. Yeah. But it's very hard to do that sometimes with bands who only like realistically even if she passed away, Switchblade Symphony, there's not a massive amount yeah. of information on yeah. them. They're not they're not a lot of these bands just born bright and fuck off. Like exactly. So I still want to. I still want to switch play Symphony on the list. So mm. uh, who's your next one? It's Grim, lad. It's Grim. It's uh, the Southern Deck Cult. Moya. Yeah, it's a great song. It's super. It's brilliant. It is super. It's a uh, well. Like the reason there's not a lot on this band is because of what they happened. They fucked off. Yeah. Became, or, yeah. So like what happened afterwards. The, so- the Southern Deck Cult. Let's just get the, the big one out of the way really, really quickly. It's that like the Southern Deck Cult eventually evolved into being their cult. The cult, yeah. Right? So Ian Asprey was the singer for Southern Death Cult, and obviously he's the singer from The Cult. Um, they formed in 1981 in Yorkshire. Um, so many gothy bands from Yorkshire, yeah. Herbertshire, Leeds. Leeds, yeah. yeah. It's all the, the, the just banging out mad stuff there. Yeah. Uh, there was another guy from the Southern Death Cult that went on to do something, and his name was uh, Hak Naval Kureshi. And he had a group called Fundamental. Do you remember them? Fundamental. Yeah. Do you remember that? What they were that? like a late 80s hip-hop group. They were an Islamic hip-hop group. They would have been on top of the pops and stuff years ago. Fundamental. Fundamental. No. Fun, it's awful, hyphen, da. It's so bad. Oh, it's garbage. So bad. Yeah, yeah. But it was an, they were an Islamic hip-hop group that were reasonably big for a little while. Um, but I didn't know he was in the Southern Death Cult. That's well, batshit mad. Yeah. That's batshit mad. Uh, so Moya, this song's the A-side of the first seven-inch they ever released. So they got together in 1981 and they disbanded in 1983. I was going to say, they have, yeah. You know, but that's I, still a great song to play um, because it's, it is brilliant. And as you can, if you're a cult fan, yeah, you don't. Like it's, well, a cult fan, you don't know that. What, you will know what, that. If you're, what's weird about it is that it's, you listen to it, it's 1981, it's mad curish, mm-hmm. right? The song itself. And you can't mistake his voice. No. Like he sounds the exact same. Yeah. There, as what he's he sounded like for the entire career, he comes in hot on all of his songs. Yeah, comes in hot, half screaming for help, yeah. help, 
half singing voice. Ever tried to do an impression of him? You, you have to just roar it. But you even then, you, you can't sound him like him. But, he, but he does not, like, he's just on or off. That's what seems to be mad about yeah. it. There's no like singing, really. Like it's in key. He did, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He comes in hot, it doesn't really go up no. any further. But that's it's good because you think that. <laughs> That's it's fucking insane. But the the, the riff in this is mad weird. Go back and listen to this song. Did you listen to this song the last couple of days? Or do you just oh, remember it? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the fucking this song is a country and western song. Well, is that their was that their was that their <laughs> attempt? Was that southern? So I no. don't know. I've no idea. There has this mad country and western lick, but like, but it's not. It doesn't have that weird coldness that uh, a lot of the kind of early goth bands had. It had this weird, not even like so. Everything it's a gets twangy sound. Yeah, I know the so, you're talking so about. So that's what they had. But this is just this like fendery, warm, fucking super country western like. Yeah. Like the way when I was thinking about it, it sounds like Johnny Cash wrote a song for the Cure, but Tom Jones sang it. That's what this. <laughs> that's what this sounds it's not a million like. Miles away from, yeah, like, that's a that's a pretty good description. Like, like but the song itself is mad meandering as well, which is one of the things that's interesting about it. Yeah. it doesn't have a solid form yet. It's kind of directionless, and it just goes on and on and on. And every time you think it's going to do something, it just kind of dish, ditches itself again and goes yeah. kind of nowhere. It's, it's t- so fucking strange. I thought um, there was more members of that band that I would recognise, but because I, I I thought there was more you, members of the cult in them, but it was not. The, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, the only two that I could find information on is obviously Ian Asprey. He's he went on to have a massive career, and, and then with Hack the, Naval Koreshi, he yeah. went on to fundamental. I don't know why he's probably working in the Sainsbury's now. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. Um, that song is, is is cool. I just wanted to pick it because they were like we said in the in your last group. A lot of these bands just born bright for a year or two, yeah, and fuck off. Because you're probably playing... How many student unions can you play? Yeah. Play to to 10 people. You know what I mean? Like, Unless you go to Germany. <coughs> yeah, and just... Fuck. Which most people do. Go to Germany or Just go like to that. Berlin and stay there. Yeah. And you play every second week. To fucking <laughs> disenfranchise <laughs> youth. Uh, anyway, that was the Southern Death Cult. Who's your next one? Big Hitters now. Big Hitters. Typo Negative. One Step of out. my favourite bands of all time. Um... They nearly made it onto my misunderstood yeah. playlist yeah. because of the sense of humor they have. This is very, 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 very dry and I, satirical. I always consider Toybo to be a comedy band, but to be incredibly good at being a comedy band. They, I think they're more of a great band who have great comedy. So I wouldn't put it that way around. I don't know. I put it the other way around. But yeah. I, 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 I absolutely agree. I think they're fucking amazing. But I think they're a parody of themselves. That It's like spitting image. But they bring that on them. So they they more they more make the joke before you will. That's the reason. Oh yeah, that's like exactly. The song's what it was. black number one. It's almost like they're taking the piss. Oh, guts. Well, they are one hundred percent. They that, read the liner notes. They it are is. like they are. So don't don't mistake. What was the the liner notes? Don't mistake good photos for art. Something like that. Or don't don't mistake badly taken photos for art. I know. Art. Saying, yeah. It's all this kind of. It's on bloody kisses. Isn't so, it? Yeah, I think the so. The liner yeah. notes of bloody kisses. Yeah. Um, so they started as a gothic metal band in Brooklyn in 1999 from the ashes of Carnivore the crossover trash metal band fucking love Carnivore which were like oh. big, big in that in that genre fucking yeah. like Carnivore invented every heavy band you've ever liked Carnivore are responsible for them that's stone cold fact <laughs> like Biohazard formed as a, a Carnivore covers band really yeah I did not know that's how important Carnivore yeah. were and Carnivore were also like super comedic like that they were oh, like, like, the, 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 
atrocious song names. Oh, the best song names. No, but like atrocious as Male in, like, Supremacy. Yeah, just... Absolutely incredible song. It's about an hour long. It goes nowhere and it's just them shouting Male Supremacy. <laughs> Outrageous and stuff they dressed, sang about, yeah. And they're dressed in Mad Max clothes. Yeah, like it was like, like they had like uh, American football gear with spikes. Yeah. Spikes and, and big four collars yeah. and American football helmets and like little loincloths and all. They were fucking brilliant. Carnivore are a lot like type of negative the way that these yeah. are just lads having the absolute mm. crack. Mm. Good mates having the absolute crack. Big time. And Big just... Time. So, um, the best way I can describe, the shortest way I can describe type of negative sound, if you don't know them, is like the Beatles meets Black Sabbath. Yeah. Perfect. So they have all Perfect. the lovely... They have the doomy sound mm. that Black Sabbath have in the riffs, but they also have a lot of... The structures of their songs are incredible. Yeah. They're so well written. Pete Steele would be the main songwriter. Um, Size of his dick. Yeah, he got his he got his wang out in Playgirl. Playgirl. Playgirl, yeah. He had big mountains. And he was in Oz. He wasn't. He was in like two episodes of Oz. Yeah, yeah. It's not As least. was Evan Seinfeld from Biohazard. Biohazard, yeah. yeah. So, were they, they probably would have been mates. They would have been mates, yeah. Yeah. Um, the rest of the band is, before Sal Labrusco left, um, Kenny Hickey came in. Kenny Hickey's the, um, the guitarist. Uh, Pete Steele, obviously, you mentioned Josh Silver on keyboards. It was when they brought key, they're bringing like, a lot of keyboards in. It's, you have to, that's what makes that sound. They have the an evolution stuff. as well, don't yeah. they? Typo, that's what I like about them. Yeah, because they, they, they've <coughs> seven albums, yeah. and the first two are, they wouldn't be the furthest away from where they were coming from, Carnival. Yeah. It has that, it's it's a lot heavier before they started moving on to kind of the more driving, romantic yeah. stuff as well. Yeah. And there was a bit of a thing in the band where the lads were going, when Pete Steele's were the corner, more romantic stuff going, ah, oh, mate, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think the song. Get your teeth fixed. Get your teeth fixed. Instead of fucking singing them little romantic songs. <laughs> see his teeth look like Tic Tacs. Did you ever see his teeth? Well, it's just kind of flat across. They're fucking tiny. What was he eating? <laughs> Steel. For such a joint head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, some of their sense of humour I just want to get into because mm. the music will speak for itself and I can't really talk too much about it apart from, like, like I said, it's, it's that really doomy stuff mm. with amazing middle eights brilliant breakdowns yeah. musically it's fantastic it's just absolutely yeah. brilliant but uh, they did stuff like calling themselves the, the choir that was name checked on or, or is the, the liner notes um, is the Benzohoist lesbian choir yeah which is actually them <laughs> just saying that thing um, some of the other things that they did was in October Rust the intro to the whole album the track called Bad Ground which is 38 seconds of low level kind of buzzing yeah to make people think that they're Thing was broken. The speaker really? was broken, and then they went into a just like that joke, guys. Yeah. And then they t- it's kind of weird that they like yeah they're talking. But the first thing you hear after that is them talking. It's them slagging you yeah, for yeah, buying their yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then the 1999 album World Coming Down. The first one sounds like a CD skipping. Yeah, and then you go sucker. <laughs> um, some of their song titles that they, they they throw in these massively long song titles for the crack in mm. a few of the albums. So some of them were unsuccessfully coping with the natural beauty of infidelity. <laughs> The, misinterpreta- the misinterpretation of silence and its disastrous consequences. And my favourite song title, The Glorious Liberation of the People's Technocratic Republic of Vinland by the Combined Forces of the United Territories of Europa. <laughs> 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 That's fucking mad. I think their best albums are the kind of ones leaning more towards the ballady kind of stuff. Bloody yeah. Kisses and October yeah, Rose. Me too. Uh, that's why I bought that box set. Yeah. You the bought the, re- the, re- the re- No, no, no. The, the re- original box set that they released with all the albums on vinyl was about 600, 700 quid. Really? And then they re-released it recently for 220. Very good. And just, I had to get it. Yeah, very good. I had good. to get it. It's still out there and it's, it's well worth it. Very um, good. There's something on every one of the albums for you. 
Life is Killing Me is one of my favourites, which is mm. why I picked Anesthesia from, um, what year was it? Jesus, I don't know what year it was. It's I'm terrible at writing my years down. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Another kind of fun fact was he wrote Black Number One while he was driving a garbage truck, because that's what his job. Oh, really? Garbage truck. Oh, that's right. I did read that. I know yeah. the video, the video for <clears throat> Black Number One was directed by the guitarist from Chromags. He done all the oh, videos. He, that, yeah. he yeah. done all the videos for uh, for Typo Negative um, and for Biohazard and yeah. for Onyx, all the kind of New York bands, whether it be hip hop or rock or metal or yeah. whatever. Because he was in, he was going to film school as well, and he was the only guy that had access to cameras. Really, get those cameras. Truly. That was good. Get some, so get they, some of those ca- cameras. they call uh, Paris Mayhew. His name is. They called him in. And they would uh, they'd like break into a park or something at night yeah. with, a, with a, like the, the shittest of equipment. No um, one's going to come near them it, anyway. The exactly. Tronty several foot tall <laughs> giant man with his fucking dick thrown over his shoulder. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, he'd done all their, all their videos for them. And I think, oh, yeah. uh, from what <clears throat> I read, they, they didn't want, even want to do videos. Um, I think Pete was maybe interested in you showing see, the band Pete, off. Pete's very clever in that oh, sense. Yeah. Like, they will appeal to... Metalers, yeah, because our sense of humor, their dark sense of humor, that's almost like some of the stuff that Gore would be coming yes, out with, just yes. our, I don't know, primacy, even as well, yeah. the silliness that they had as well. But then they wrote just straight up love songs oh, yeah. that made people who fancy typo negative, yeah, I'm not gonna say girls, it could be anybody, yeah, but mostly girls. It wasn't mostly girls that bought Playgirl though, which he, which he was told about and didn't like. Yeah, yeah. So he had to write that song, I like girls. Yeah, I like yeah. girls. I was my girlfriend's girlfriend. Yeah, so obviously he spent time being slagged about that. Of course he did. As a, as a big Brooklyn guy. That would have been the around 70s. the same time that Evan Seinfeld was taking his dick out on us as well, actually. <laughs> yeah. now that I think about it. We have some, there's some common threads here. Yeah. One little fact just before I leave Type of Negative. It's, again, like, I just I had to put them in because they're one of my favourite bands. They are a gothic metal band, yeah. so to speak. It's a terrible fucking label, but... um. One quick fact was they wrote a team tune for the wrestler Kane. Really? Called Out of the Fire that didn't make it, but they stuck it on the Life is Killing Me bonus. That's <laughs> brilliant. It sounds like. Really? Yeah, it sounds like he should have definitely come out to that because yeah. it sounds evil. It's, it's, to be fair, the Kane's music yeah. is great yeah. anyway. <laughs> so, Kane whatever has great happens, music. maybe. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I bet you what happened there, there was a weird period in wrestling where. Um, they just stopped using bands' music and they just, I think they opened their own studio and brought in their own. Jim, stuff. Jim Johnson yeah, and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. And he's just done everything for them. Yeah, yeah. Whatever they needed. It needs to sound like this and he just. I'd say it was a nightmare to get your own song, or for you, a song from a different band when Vince McMahon or whatever was like, yeah. But we have to no, pay, we to pay yeah, for that. Exactly. I think the only guy to do it in the last like 20 years was CM Punk. Got, yeah. Got pulled, pulled the personality. Yeah. That, that was it. And um, I think that was in his contract. And to be fair to the Jim Johnson, there's another set of lads now writing them after that. I think so, They yeah. do great stuff. They yeah. do. But this track is good. If, you ever, if you're a fan of the Kane I'm and Typo Negative... Bang it up again. Throw that on, yeah. the, on the Facebook page. Listen it's to all interesting. Out of the Fire. And it's, uh, it's brilliant. It starts, you see, the problem is it starts very, very slowly. But it could have been adapted. Mm. Then it just gets evil and it's great. Mm. Very good. So uh, that's Typo Negative, one of my favourite bands of all time. If you don't know them, give... Don't give the greatest hits a go because the greatest hits... From Roadrunner is truncated versions of all of their good yeah, songs. Yeah, none of the, the album versions. And you're yeah. taking the, you, you can't take songs like Christian Woman and Black Number One and cut them down. Yeah, because the build-ups to the end of them are yeah. some of the best parts of the song. Give them a listen. Um, <clears throat> if you don't know, them. if you don't know them, you have to give them a listen. Otherwise, I'm not coming back on the podcast. <laughs> Here's the next one: uh, The March Violets. Ah, oh, yeah. And the song is Snake Dance. What so, a song! Uh, it's so good. Yeah, it's great. Um, so they're an English kind of post-punk 
got banned yeah. formed in 19... 19- aren't they all aren't they all again the date that we all know and love 1981 aren't they all yeah. <laughs> the place Leeds aren't they all yeah. so essentially uh, I think it started off being two singers and a drum machine and that was it um, later on in their career they, they started making kind of poppier music and they were co- they kind of alienated a lot of their their, their, their fans yeah um, well they sound like a band that didn't start out to necessarily be got it was just where they were well, at the time so they were gonna, gonna evolve their first 7 inch was uh, I think produced and released by Andrew Eldridge by Sisters of Mercy really? he, he backed them and put it out you probably said then you probably said some shit things about them probably yeah so the, um, can you guess what year their first album came out if this was their big song out in 81 of course if can't be 79. 80? 2013. So they didn't have any albums? No. They no just albums. 80s bands, just the EPs yeah. or singles. Just little EPs and singles. Wow. That's all they ever done. That's all they ever done. These lads are basically the got to be 50 tools, right? When you listen to it. Yeah. It has that fucking... Some people don't like putting out full albums. I mean, it's actually, it's a good, uh, it's a good thing to do if you don't want to be yeah. putting out fillers. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the lineup, the kind of classic lineup was uh, Tom Ashton on guitar, Laws Elliott on bass, Simon Denby on vo- vocals, Rosie Garland on vocals, and a drum machine called Dr. Rhythm. <laughs> they gave him a name. And uh, the first album in 2003, um, before that... Well, Dr. Rhythm, I think, was the name initially of that drum machine. Actually, that's written on the drum machine. Could be. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, they, uh, it had a place on the stage and all, apparently. Like. Same as... The, yeah. same as probably the same. More than likely. That drum probably machine, that little drum machine that looks like Johnny Five is alive, he gets around. <laughs> yeah. He gets around a lot. Um, yeah, but before that album came out, it was all just singles and compilations and EPs and yeah. bits and pieces like that. Um, the EP, This Is Off, I think it's called Religious As Hell. And, uh, that's what's, that's what's, quite funny. Yeah. What's interesting, what's well, not even interesting, is that listen to this song and listen to how good this song is mixed for that year. Like how well it's recorded. Yeah, it's and so mixed. punchy. It's fucking beautiful. It's like a punchy pop song. Like it's just, like... If you could build a template as to what all songs in this kind of genre should sound like yeah. and just apply it. I know there's a thing in Logic Pro where you can create like a profile and you can just feed a song into it and it'll just kind of start tilting things in the direction of that sound profile. <coughs> and oh, fucking, yeah, mastering. There's a mastering yeah. tool that I use that does that. Yeah. What do you want it to sound like? The, this. The, the dynamic profile, yeah, exactly. so to speak. Yeah. Like, they should use this yeah. because it's fucking, it sounds so fucking good. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you much about them past this. Once I seen that the first album was released in 2013, I got pretty excited. <laughs> and I thought, that's I'm just going to concentrate on that for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, and the, the fact that like, the first album is fucking 2013, the first seven inch is released by Andrew Eldridge. Um, he gets behind them. He likes them a lot. He's yeah. like, I'll fucking pay for it. I'll put it on my this little record label. One of the many songs I love where the chorus is just na 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 or la la yeah. la la. Yeah. But it's brilliant. Perfect. It's Give me all so them. Danceable. Give me all them. So danceable. Um, that's all I have to tell you. Um, I think the second, Rosie Garland, the, the second singer, she was added in um, kind of towards the, not end of their fucking, like they started and it was just the one singer. Yeah. And then about a year later, I think they just met this girl and they were like, fuck it, come on, just join the band, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. And I think um, from like 90... You were there when we order all the curries and get the taxis. You're in you the might, band. You might as well be in the band. And, but then by like 85, 86, I think they just start making, they start going down this little uh, top of the pops kind of route. Where it was getting into this uh, Rosillo's type of fucking feel, but well, uh, th- to me they sound like a kind of a gothic B fifty two. So I can absolutely imagine them going down. It with is that. quite. It's just fun. That, that song Rizillo's. is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great fun. Yeah. Uh, right, who's your next one? 
My next one, another big hitter for me, one of my favourite bands, uh, Fields and Nephilim. Mm. I couldn't make a list without putting one of my favourite bands on it. I absolutely love them. They're, they really have their own identity and their own yeah. profile in gothic music. Another one that definitely had the gothic look and the gothic sound, but I'm sure if you asked them... The cowboy hats and all, isn't it? Yeah, they have yeah. the duster jackets. Yeah. They have those cowboy... But they have those cowboy hats that I really like. They're called um, gambler hats, gamblers. Yeah. So it's kind of flat. Flat. They're, they're, wide brims, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, really wide. And the yeah. reason that they're wide is because they were... Um, it's raining all the time. No, no, Mexican. they're Mexican, so they keep the sun out more. Mm. So they're like the Mexican hats. But I just love that. Because if you put... If you had Fields and Eflin with those, like... What do you call them? 20-gallon hats or something? Yeah, yeah, stupid. Yeah, of course, yeah. Or anything. So it has that kind of cool... And they're kind of... I wouldn't say steampunky, because I hate steampunk. Yeah. It's yeah. just annoying. Burlesque. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they have that look they clearly worked on that look and yeah. they had that's it but they clearly worked on their sound as well the song they picked is uh, Volcane from mm. the 1987 album Dawnraiser again this is not my favourite Fields and Ephraim song but, but it's a good introduction it is and I did want to put another 8 minute song on, a, yeah. on our playlist as well yeah. as well as that some of my favourite songs for them are more in the context of the album so they yeah, have they're, they're known I, for doing like album pieces, aren't they? Like, yeah, this, yeah, this they really is, are. Yeah, it has yeah. to be listened to in regards to the album. It just makes sense that way, especially with one of the albums that I'll touch on later. But um, so Don Razor is the first one, incredible album cover. It just is them, but he's blacked out and he just has glowing eyes. Mm. It's, it's it looks like a, it looks like a John Carpenter uh, cover. Absolutely looks like something from the Thing or something mm. like that. Um, the lead singer Carl McCoy has that. A voice a lot a diff, completely different to a lot of these bands. He has a voice that could fit into metal. It's just a growling. He, when I I don't know an awful lot about this band. I know a little bit, and I've heard them multiple times, but I've never gone down the rabbit hole of like I need to absorb all this. But from what I know, especially from this song, like the vocals are very typo to me. They're very kind of Pete Steely, and like the guitar riff has this kind of Guns and Roses. They have mad rock and roll yeah. and even country and western yeah. stuff in some of yeah. the stuff. But like the, the the full package is there, but these weird sweeping synths that they have, yeah. it's like advanced got. Is the yeah. way I'd it's prog got. Yeah, it's absolutely prog got. More to it. Than they, just they're just definitely a fan of progressive music, yeah. and um, that is shown in their uh, album Elysium in 1990, where they. I know that album. That's. I don't know whether it's my favorite album. It's between this and the Nephilim. Obviously, Don Riser is great, but it's not my favorite album. It's a band. Everyone finds their feet, and then they yeah. go on to do slightly better production stuff. But the album, the Nephilim, the second one, is absolutely brilliant. That was recorded. Speaking of uh, haunted and weird places to record an album, I'm surprised I didn't. I'm kind of glad I didn't pick them because well, whatever you're going to pick is better than the fucking swimming pool. Brilliant. <laughs> swimming pool is terrifying me. So <laughs> why is that not going to go on a, a weird place? Of course, it's a pers- personal story. People want to hear personal. Um, this is recorded in a place called the Justice Rooms, which was a former courthouse in England in Somerset. These guys are from Hertfordshire, near enough to Leeds. Yeah, um, I think. Um, so this place used to be a courthouse where the defendants who were sentenced were killed on site. So, dark. Guilty through Evil. that door. Yeah, God, dead. Fucking hell. Uh, the Nephilim is an absolutely brilliant album. It's quite long and it's quite varied. Nephilim uh, are angels, aren't they? Are they bold angels, no, good angels? I can't no, remember. Nephilim is a child of an angel and human. That's that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. So it could end up being a giant. They depicted it lots of different ways. They depicted mm. it as a giant or an absolute mutant. They'd be into the mutant. What about a mutant yeah. giant? Just mad looking one eyed mutants. Yeah. Pete's he had a one eyed <laughs> <had> mutant. One-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> so Elysium is a brilliant album. It's probably my favourite just simply because it's almost like a concept album. Every song bleeds into the next. And they hired um, the Pink Floyd producer Andy Jackson. Oh, right. Um, 
to produce it, the guitars sound absolutely delicious on it because they sound like they could be. They went, I want that Pink Floydy kind of, especially the, not the solos, but just the little licks. And there's a few solos in it as well that sound like they could be Pink Floydy. What's your favourite guitar tone? What song? Do you have one? Shit. I have one that's mad weird. R- for, it depends on for solos or for, uh, for just, riffs. That, just heft. Oh, Rammstein. Rammstein. They, they layer it, or, or Perfect Circle, they layer it and then they put a few acoustic guitar yeah, layers yeah. over to get, people don't like know. Like A lot of people don't know. That. Yeah, <laughs> they put that acoustic guitar yeah, over yeah. to get that chunky yeah, sound. Yeah. But that's, well, yeah, that's, yeah. I don't know. You, know, you, know, you, know, you want to know what I think the greatest guitar tone ever recorded is? I've probably no. told you this before. Yeah, you did. H-Blocks. Oh, H-Blocks. Who wants to get Rock from the Crypt? No. That's a beautiful tone. It's, it's just simple. Yeah. But that H-Blocks, that cover, I've got the power that they do. Whatever fucking rig that, that guitar is recorded on. That is. sounds like there's two, two amps working Holy, over working overtime. Holy fucking shit. It's a fucking one. You know who has a fucking amazing guitar tone? Limp Bizkit. Of course they do. It's outrageous. Wes is an amazing guitarist yeah. and his tone is disgusting. It's gorgeous. Fucking, yeah. Like gor- gorgeous, gorgeously disgusting. Yeah, like wasted almost. Yeah. Oh that. no, that, all their music is wasted on his voice <laughs> yeah. but I still love Limp Bizkit. Yeah, stupid. Yeah. Because yeah. then if you, if you put someone serious into Limp Bizkit, you're still going to be new metal. Yeah. Doesn't, you mu- so you might as well go fucking, yeah, exactly. Go it, it. Yeah. But, anyway, um, go back, let's go back to Fields and yeah. leave H-Blocks and Limp Bizkit alone for a while. So, around the time Elysium was released, Carl McCoy, the singer, was in a movie called Hardware. Mm. Do you remember that horror movie Hardware yeah. from 1990 with Iggy Pop and Lemmy in it? Yeah. And it was directed by uh, Richard Stanley, who asked him to be in it because he'd done videos for Fields and Eflin. Um, then I went, holy shit, I used to love that film as a kid. And I raced to hear the soundtrack. I went, check it out. Mm. No Fields and Eflin on it. No, anyone bar the score and two songs. One of them is uh, Pill Order Death, which is oh, yeah. the only Pill song I really love. Yeah, I'm not on the Pill. No, but that Order of Death song is a very 80s. That's, that's quite gothy. Mm. And uh, the other one is Ministry Stigmata. I was kind of disappointed. I was, I was going to get like Iggy Pop and stuff on it. Like, they're just in the film. Yeah. Um, he left a year after that to form Nephilim, spelled differently. So that's clearly... <laughs> I can't get any information as to why he broke up. They don't do many interviews. Yeah. The man doesn't, um, he keeps his cards close to his chest with his gambler hat. Yes. He released an album called Zune in 1997 under Nephilim, which sounds way more metally like Ministry yeah. or something like that. I'm not mad about this album. Initially, when you listen to it, you're like, oh, this is cool. But it kind of flatters to deceive because the more you listen to it, you're like, mm, missing something. No, it's not. They got back together anyway. The thing I find about Fields and Nephilim is they have a mental amount of compilations, B-side albums, mm. uh, stu- live albums, that it's actually hard to get through. But the, it's kind of a good in the sense that the, the reason I found them was Revelations, which is the kind of greatest hits or the yeah. best of. That's when I found them. I think that was released in like 93 or something like that. Mm. And I would have I would have heard them around 97, I'd say. It's be, being perfectly honest with you, mm. I didn't know them up until around then. And I heard Moonchild. Mm. Moonchild is the big song that a lot of people yeah. will know. I didn't want to put it on it because I do like this Volcano song. It's a, it's a good introduction to their early enough sound as well. Um Ah, oh, Fields of Nephilim. I'm even wearing a Fields of Nephilim hoodie right now. Yeah, yeah. I do love this fucking hoodie. Man. Okay, I, I was going to say I came dressed for it, but I'm always dressed in this. Yes, true. It's just my favourite hoodie because it's printed in this raised black. Yeah, black on black. Black on black, but it's raised. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> I could listen to the Fields of Nephilim absolutely all day. I know a lot of people who are <coughs> mad into goth music and, and don't like them because they can't stand his voice. Mm. I love that. It's if, if you're into black... Got a fire in your heart! 
No, he's like. It could be black metal. Yeah. It's not though. It's not. Fields and Ephraim absolutely love the band. Uh, gives an album to listen to. I'd, I'd, I'd go in with the Nephilim, the album, the yeah. Nephilim from uh, 88, is it? Yeah. Mm. Go in with that, have a listen to them, see what you think, and then move on to Elysium, which is much more produced beautifully, and his voice is calmed down a bit. I wanted to say to him, calm mm. that voice down a bit, or else it just suits, it, it suits the music for him to calm down a little bit. Yeah. So uh, that's the Fields and Nephilim, mm. or just Fields and Nephilim. There's no there. Yeah. There's no there. Um, I love them. Who's your next one? Uh, possibly the daddy of them all, maybe. Uh, Christian Death mm-hmm. the song is Romeo's Distress uh, I've never been mad into them but it, when I hear them I'm going it's interesting yeah, yeah, you know, like, the, the story of them is probably more interesting than I, I, I don't know I, I don't know I can't put my finger on it they formed in 1979 in Orange County in California now again when I think about the goth movement I think about Britain more than anything else. Uh, to me, it's a British thing. Absolutely. Because there's bands from America still singing in the in the style. And to be perfectly honest with you, when I was trying to write music for my kind of 80s thing, it felt weird to sing in any other accent. Yeah. It just comes out with that London-y vampire. It's yeah. fucking vampire. It it's is. It's vampiric. Yeah. It's gothic. Yeah. It's going to sound. So, yeah. I agree. That's why, That's why. yeah. Um, so, the, 1979, they went through massive line of changes. There's f- the absolute murder in, in the Christian Dead camp. Essentially, the... There was two Christian deaths for a while, right? Um, and it kind of divided their fans an awful lot. Right. Where the kind of, not necessarily false Christian death, but the second version of them were doing a little bit more touring. And that was pretty much your only option to get to go and see them, right? Um, the band themselves considered themselves to be relentlessly confront, a, a re- relentlessly confrontational stand against organized religion. Yeah. That's I the like, way they I like placed that, I like themselves. That um, so it was formed by a guy called Roz Williams it's his band right? it was just him messing around at the start eventually he was joined by a guy called Rick Agnew who was the original bass player for the adolescents the punk band yeah they, right? they have a they have a punk link all right, yeah. don't they? Well, well, most them. certainly um, so who's the original bass player for the adolescents uh, a guy called James McGarty joined on drums and that's the kind of best known line up really um, that's from the, the debut album it's called Only Theatre of Pain is the name of the album yeah so the lineup kind of disintegrates after this album comes out. And they bring in another guy, they bring in a guy called Valor. Valor Khan, his name is. And he joins on a kind of backing vocals and guitar. After the third album, Roz leaves. The guy who started the band, he leaves. And Valor takes over on main vocals. So by now there's no original members left of the band. Right. right? We're in the kind of a Sepultura-esque yeah. type of situation. Yeah. So, Christian Death are doing the rounds without any members of actually Christian Death in them, to a degree. Right? Yeah. Not really. So, the, way the guy who started it is kind of a deal. It's, it's his. A big deal, yeah. yeah. So, the way it kind of works out is like 1979 to 1985 is Roz. And from 1985 to kind of now is Valor Right? Now, in the late 80s, Roz decided to get his shit together. And he started another version of Christian Death, and they just called it the original Christian Death. See, this is a few times these bands are doing this now. It's, yes. it's, 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 well, that was not, that's not so much spoil, but that's what like, he started. I mean, yeah, he, yeah he doesn't want to go through the hassle of taking the name back, so he just starts that. But it's called I, it the original. That, I have a personal Christian Death story I will share. We had them booked in here about two years ago. Right. And it came via somebody else. The booking came through somebody else. We had it booked. We hadn't started to advertise it properly yet. But whatever version of the band that we had booked 
um, they put it up on their Facebook page or whatever it was. And we got an email from a lawyer in the States saying that he represented fucking, um, what was it? He represented the estate of Ros Williams. Now, Ros Williams killed himself in 1998. Well, right? So we got an email from a solicitor saying he represented the fucking, his uh, wife at yeah. the time. Now, Ros Williams was gay, but he was married. He considered himself to have like a partnership with his wife as opposed to like a sexual relationship. Right? Yeah. Um, because he was raised, he was raised Baptist, raised Southern Baptist. Which is why he's starting this band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And eventually became a Satanist. But towards the end of his life, he kind of turned back to God again. So I think really? his wife, yeah, I think his wife, happens to a lot of people. I think his wife had, um, his wife at the time took over the estate and she was like very, very opposed to Valar Khan going on with the Christian death fucking name. Um, so he had this original Christian death, or I think they called it Christian death featuring Ros Williams for a while as well. Right. And they were doing a few bits and pieces. Um, the, the whole thing is fucking, this song is mad weird, right? Like, musically, it's, it has that Joy Division feel to it that, that we're used to now. But when you listen, this song in particular sounds like a lot of the bands that are popular now. This sounds like yeah, that, Fontaine's, that sound is, yeah. Murder Capital, even yeah. Idols to a degree, there's bits of that in there. Like, the stuff that's popular now sounds like this early Christian death stuff to me, the way it's put together. Um, there's a mad, uh, mad weird use of, of bells in it, like church bells in it, yeah. that are kind of hidden. And you only hear them um, at the end of the ring instead of the, the start yeah. of the ring, like they swept the phase on it or something. It's fucking real weird. Um, but he hated the term gut. Ross hated the term gut. And he, they would be considered to be one of the originators of the death rock yeah. kind of label. I don't know what it is about Christian death rock. Maybe I just listened to the wrong stuff Quite early on and then I just kind of checked this, it out. This song is fucking fantastic. This is fucking, this is really, really good. I have to say, this is very, very good. This just sounds like, it's it's very curie. You can hear where, where mm. a lot of their stuff came from out of this. Like, that feel is there. Also, the fact that he was like fucking bipolar and manic depressant like he, he was homosexual he was fucking raised a baptist became a satanist he he's a melting pot of fucked up this lad right full-on melting pot fucked up and apparently what happened was they were watching television one night him and his wife watching tv in their, their apartment in west hollywood or whatever and they were watching some movie some kind of art movie and in the movie um in the movie somebody hangs themselves um in the movie and they do it in a weird way. I can't remember off the top of my head. But something weird happens in regards to them hanging themselves. It wasn't a strangle wank. It wasn't a strangle wank. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't strangle wank himself. He didn't, he didn't grasshopper himself. Um, but when the movie's over... He didn't rabbit hole himself. No, none of that. No, apparently what he'd done was he went into the bedroom and just never came out. And the wife went looking for him and found him hanging in, the, in, in a cabinet. Jesus. But he'd, he'd left, like, there was no no, I don't think so. I think there might have been a piece of paper with a word written on it. And there was a rose on the ground. He'd made a little altar before he killed himself. Uh, but what's mad is that the cabinet that he hung himself in is on display in the LA Museum of Death. You can go and see the cabinet that uh, Ros Williams hung himself out of, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's by Paula, raised a Baptist, came a Satanist, went back to God. Like, the whole story is just an absolute clusterfuck. Like, it sounds like he just, he was all over the place. It sounds like time. a lot of judgment coming from a lot of fucking angles. Yeah. And, then, and then to go back to that, which means he was struggling with whatever ideas initially he came up with the band. It yeah. was like, obviously guilt. Then he lost it. Yeah. He, le- he leaves. 
and leaves fucking Valor Kant, who continues it on. He, I, I think he thought that Valor was just going to, they just knocked this band in the head. Like, it's my band. Like Could have been trying to call, or, call, or do a bit of a bluff when it was called. I don't know, but like he could have got rid of everybody. There was that many people. If you look at the list of people that were in Christian Death, like it's outrageous. Like, yeah. It's outrageous. It looks like a, the list of producers on a modern hip-hop album. Yeah. It's just like 40, 50 people. Like, it's fucking bananas. Yeah. But I, I think... I think this is my favourite song that I've put on or I've put on here I'll give them another go there's a few songs I've known from being played in here even stuff like that where I'm like that, that might have been the fucking the Calor the Valor Cans I keep saying Calor Van like Calor Gas um, <laughs> the Calor Van man is yeah, here mammy exactly oh, well, I want to follow freezing that could have been the, the Valor Cans but he their output was pretty fucking significant now when he got the band back together again when Roz put the band back together again he fucking killed the entire world albums just fucking bang, 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 bang. All that songs. I would say, I, I'm, I'm going to put my hand in the air and I'm going to say, dollars I don't know them. And I'm going to say, I'm not going to say dollars to donuts. <laughs> I'm going to put my hand in the air and I'm going to say, I don't know them, but I'm willing to bet that 99% of them are shy. Bar that first album. <laughs> so I'm going to call it because when you're that mad, you have to get the fucking madness out of you early on the tape. That's when it's good. Yeah, not the bad madness. When you're 40 and mad, you can't make good music anymore. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you're killing joke. Yeah, but even then, there's only one mad cunt writing them songs. So. <laughs> anyway, that's Christian Death. Who's your next one? My last one last is one. This Burning Effigy. The song is oh, the well. listen to this. This is mad. I know what's going on in this song. No? It's just weird. You see, this this band was almost not going to make it. I had to take out. The band I had at, at the last one was uh, The Lorries. Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry. But I... Just so little information on them as well. Mm. I was like, as much as I love that song, it's maybe that and one other song I like by them. Is this the Mad Ballady one? Or did you change it out? There's one that's just somebody, there's just mad singing. Or did you, when did you swap this song out? Because I might not have heard it. Was it yesterday? Was it today? Could be today. Okay, then I have not heard the song. No, the other one, the other one, Red, Larry, Yellow Larry, uh, talk about the weather I had on it initially. That's like it. Dun, 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 like almost sort of almost industrially start no, whatever but done, I heard with, done with just, instruments I think it even sounds like a woman just, that's it this, this, this that's one, this yeah. one yeah. All right, yeah. so this morning Effigy are an Irish band from Dublin okay um, formed in Dublin by uh, <coughs> Stephen Carey and Jerry Egan and Michael Cowley and Brian Fallon on the drums the rest of them all play the other instruments as well I didn't bother listening to them at the time yeah. that's, it, that's, it, there's a guitar in there just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah probably a bass um the reason I picked this is because it was a little bit more meaty, and I do like this band a lot. And I don't think I'll ever be able to get them onto another podcast, really, unless we do Irish Bands Volume Two. But that's ages away. Which we will, we will do, of course. Yeah, but it's ages away. So um, they recorded "To Be Steel Gods," which I really like this album, and it was the only time that the whole lot of them were ever on it. Sorry. Because um, in 1995, it was recorded in Sonic Studios. Where's that? Sonic Studios. Yeah, you see, that could be somewhere different in the 90s. Could be somewhere different now. I mean. Sonic Studios with uh, Tanya Doyle on the guest vocals which you would have been hearing for a lot of the song at the start of the song the whole mm. start of it is this is definitely massively influenced by Elysium by Fields of the Nephilim mm. which kind of I don't know whether I wanted to put on it because I've put in two quite similar bands yeah. on it from a similar era but um, I did like the fact that they went on to become the Eden House so two, they moved, two of the lads moved to London alright and two of them stayed because they went, yeah, I'm not moving to London. It's very cool to move to London. Isn't it? So cool. Well, that, so that's cool. what was done in the 90s. Of, I to know, be fair. Yeah. If you want to be in a band as well like that, your yeah, opportunities are there. Dublin is not. 
Do you want to be playing Eamon Dorans again this weekend? Are we? Yeah, we're a grass band. Yeah. yeah, no. So, um, the band split up in 2001. Egan came back to Dublin, but uh, Stephen Kerry stayed and formed the Eden House. All right. The Eden House are a really good band. Really, really good band. They are a collaboration music project um, that have Tony Petit, formerly of Fields and Nephilim, All right. and Andy Jackson, who we mentioned earlier was the producer of Elysium. Yeah. So, it, I... It's definitely, definitely massively There's weight there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Eden House, are, the Burning Effigy, like they had three albums and two of them were only with two of the lads kind of releasing bits and pieces that threw yeah. together into an album. And they're good, but they're not, they're I still not, prefer this fourth album. Yeah. It's just more, you can tell it just sounds like, let's make another version of Elysium. Yeah. But because it's Irish, I have to give it that little bit of, of credit. I'm not that patriotic, but I don't know, man. I love the album cover. It's very... Oh, gothy. Yeah, goth, goth. Gothy, goth. Imagine gothic fucking Ra songs. Yeah. Not that the wolf tones are Ra songs. Let's do it. The goth wolf. So many names. There's a there's a test for you now. Come up with a... Cromwell's corpse. Cromwell's corpse. <laughs> the Raven on Cromwell. The, the ghost Cops. of Cromwell. Yeah. So the Eden House are still going with uh, Monica Richards from Fate and the Muse. Fate and the Muse almost made it onto this as well. Mm. Uh, am I being honest about that? No, they weren't going to make it onto my six songs. But they, they were in contention. So was All About Eve mm. and that song Martha's Harbour, which I had this on the list for a while um, with. Julianne Regan, she was with uh, Burning Effigy for two albums as well. Mm. Um, I don't know, man. Listen to this song. Like you were saying, it, it takes a long while to kick off. Yeah. But when it does, it's great. And it does that change from minor to kind of major. And normally, that can go either way with me. Mm. But I like it. There's my little got list. We try, I tried to keep it. I think it's the last one, isn't it? That's done. Yeah. Tried to keep it interesting for people who already listen to this instead of looking at like, oh, well, that's... Like a song from either Fibbers or Dominion's yeah. playlist in the, noise, the obvious dance floor bangers. I wanted to keep it slightly interesting, hopefully have something that yep. they might know. Although people that listen to Gather very, very well up, they'll notice this will be Of course they will. Maybe mildly interesting to them, but maybe. Um and we have a couple of uh, stone cold classics on Yeah, there's well. some there's some hits in there <laughs> and then there's some uh, slightly um askew. We bits did and bobs. stay really away from kind of the dancier side, but yeah. that's not really my thing. Uh, and I'd just be and pre- it's probably it would warrant its own podcast. I'd, I'd also, but I'm not going to be into that. I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely. I yeah, love, it's not for me. Either. I love gothic rock. Yeah, I love dark wave and stuff like that. But I'm <laughs> not really into the dancier side of things. If I'm being perfectly honest, the moon boots and fucking aluminous dreadlocks. It's whatever with the way they wear and what they dance. Some of it is absolutely incredible, but it's just not really for me. Yeah, I'm being honest with you. And I know a lot of goth all the people that grew up listening to music in the eighties are the same. Some have embraced it loads. Yeah. I I hear things the newer stuff from around that area era and stuff like that, like I do kinda I'm trying to I'm trying it, I'm trying it. Yeah. I am trying, but give it a shot. I just want that old drum sound and that old twangy guitar. That's why <sighs> I like it's slowly and creeping the, and back the, in. And the Yamaha keyboards that sound yeah. a bit harsh. Yeah. Yeah. So that sl- was our, slowly creeping back in. That was our God playlist and our God uh, podcast. Um the usual bullshit at the end of every podcast. Um, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Lost Art Podcast. Our Patreons get exclusive podcasts. They get exclusive videos. And we uploaded something cool today, which is my microphone tests that I do every week. That's so silly. Yeah, it's great. I, li- I like it. <laughs> I, I never heard this because I wasn't here. <laughs> yeah, nobody's here. It's just I me. St- I stroll in late when guys are doing yeah. all the grunt work. Like, I generally, I, I start setting up like a day before. 
on the <laughs> then the day of it, I make sure everything's. I feel like a lead properly. singer. I just stroll in and go. There's the mic. Is that me for the day? Yeah, yeah, grand. Good night now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's patreon.com forward slash Lost Art Podcast. If you can't afford to throw us a fiver a month, please just uh, share it, tell your friends, rate us and review us on iTunes or whatever your podcast app is. And uh, we'll leave it at that, and it we will helps, talk to yeah. you again. It does absolutely help. We will talk to you again next week. Thanks.